All right, this morning we are going to be continuing our series on Not So Silent Night. Bobby started it off last week. Uh, and, uh, and, and he did mention just a little bit of, uh, you know, the last time that I spoke here uh, was my first time speaking at Movement Christian Church. Uh, it was when, you know, Bobby hurt his back and he uh, kind of had a uh, little bit of an issue and he called me and said, hey, well, Sherry called me and said, hey, you know, Bobby was crying. He was in the bed fetal position. And so he, Sherry called me and said, hey, you know, is there any way that you can, you can record a video? Because we were also not meeting uh, in person that week due to, uh, you know, some, some infections that had happened close by and all that. And so, uh, so he, they called me and asked me to do that. And Bobby was fortunately nice enough not to mention the fact that as I preached, just literally I lost the daylight. It was like the third time I had tried to record that message that day, and I just lost daylight, and it just got dark. And it's getting darker, and it's getting darker. It's getting creepier and creepier. I got my iPad is shining up on my face like a, t- a horror movie, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm preaching, and, and uh, uh, I totally lost the darkness, you know, or I totally lost the light. And I'm like, do I keep going? Do I just, what do I do? I don't know. So anyway, so that's what happened, and that's where I'm at. But that was kind of a weird night for my neighbors, you know, because out in my backyard looking at their yard, I'm just sitting there with like a Joel Olstein microphone on, just like preaching to no one and talking out into their yard. Like just, I'm convicting that yard. I'm like, yard, repent, you know, and they're just like, what's going on? I haven't talked to any of them since. That's a true story. Uh, but uh, but I, I want you to know that I'm so happy to be here and actually be able to see your faces uh, the parts of your faces I can see, and, uh, and I'm, I'm super excited uh, to be here to preach today. Uh, well, like I said, we're continuing that series about Not So Silent Night, and this week we're going to be talking about a young Hebrew girl named Mary, and I want you uh, to kind of get into the mind and the heart of Mary and where she was in her life and what it looked like because Mary found favor with God. And it's hard for us sometimes when we look at that and and we look at our own lives and we ask, why? What was it that was about Mary that made her find favor with the Lord. And I need you to understand the background and what's going on in Mary's head and how she's thinking about this as we look at her life this morning. The first thing is Mary is young. I mean, she's like really, really young, like probably creepy to us young as far as, you know, she, she's, some people say 11, 12 maybe at the oldest 15, okay? I mean, like, uh, she'd be an old lady by that point, you know what I mean? She's like, maybe not going to get married at all because, you know, she's old, old stock or whatever. And, and, and you know, this, she is, I mean, baby young. How many of you, you know, would let your 11 or 12-year-old daughter date anybody, let alone go off and get married and, you know, have, start a whole family? Like, yeah, we, we trust you. You got this. Go ahead and do this. And she is young. I mean, she's like, really, really young, but she's engaged to be married already. She's already betrothed to Joseph, and she's this bright, contemplative, fun energy, you know, like, like when you meet, uh, like, junior hires, you know what I mean? Think about uh, just kind of the attitude and the energy that they have and who they are as a person. This is this young, just beautiful, sold person who has their whole life ahead of them, 
And she's excited and perhaps in love, maybe even with Joseph, uh, who is a good and righteous man. At the very least, she's excited to be married to him. You know, there's a little bit different culture around marriage that we're talking about. But I want you to understand that she is excited about the prospect of starting a new life. She got her whole life ahead of her. She's got everything uh, moving towards her, and she's young, but she's thinking about already marriage and a family and and what it looks like to be a mother. Now, I I, I don't know about you, um, but I am actually married to a woman. Her name is Trisha. She's in the back, and uh, and I have noticed something about her. Now, I'm not going to say it's true of all women, but it seems to me that women have like a sixth sense about like if there's a baby in the room. You know what I mean? Like, if there's a baby in the room, they're going to find it, and they're going to touch it. You know, they're going to get over there, they're going to get their hands on that baby. You know, I'm going to pick that thing up, and I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to go, oh, oh, it's so so precious. You know, and I I just can't help it. I got to find it, I got to touch it. And I like to call that baby fever, you know what I mean? Because then when they, you know, put the baby down, now they're looking at you. And they're like, we got to get one of those, you know? And I'm like, You know, we already have three of them, you know, and, and, and you're looking at, you know, it doesn't matter because the smaller, the better, you know what I mean? To a woman, I, I don't know, maybe not that, maybe that's not true, but you know, it's like the smaller, the better, like Lily's four months old and Trisha saw like another younger baby and she was like, but we don't have a widow one, you know, <laughs> see, it's like we need to whittle one, the widowest one, you know, so that we can have, because I want to hold it, and I want to touch it, you know, and it's like, Lily, you're old news, like, you know, like, you're, you're old now, you're like four, four months old, like, get over it, she's real cute still, uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, millions of women suffer from this condition every year, you know, uh, uh, there, there's no known cure for baby fever, if you have a baby, apparently you just want more. So uh, I don't know what to do with that, and, and good luck with that. But you got to imagine, you know, if it was intense, if baby fever happens in America like that, you are not even prepared for what baby fever looks like to the Hebrews. Because every little Hebrew girl wants to be the one to bear the Messiah. I mean, ever since the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and this seed is promised, this offspring that's going to come and, and fix the problem. They're going to crush Satan and, and make a way for people. And they're looking for that seed and they're looking for that offspring. And every Hebrew girl is like, I could be the one. That's why you got all this peculiar stuff that happens in the Bible. You got people, you know, marrying off their handmaids, you know, to their husbands, like, hey, just give me a baby out of it. I got to figure out how to way to be involved in this baby thing. You got stuff like, uh, you know, the, uh, the laws about the kinsman redeemer, right? Like if you die and you're, you're, uh, or, and you're, uh, haven't had a kid yet, but your brother's still alive, what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to marry your widow, and have a baby, and that baby's not his. That baby belongs to the dead brother, right? Why is all this weird stuff going on? Because everyone wanted to have an opportunity, and that happens, by the way, you know, in, in Jesus's lineage, but, but every person wanted to have the opportunity to be a part of bringing the Messiah into the, this world, and little Mary is probably not excluded from that. In fact, as we talked about last week, her cousin Elizabeth is already six months pregnant, you know? So she's already seen the baby bump and she's probably rubbed it and she might have felt some little kicks from little John and she's like, this is great. This is awesome. I'm so excited about this whole marriage thing. It's gonna be wonderful. I'm gonna have so many babies. That's what probably, I'm, I'm 
inferring a little bit here, but I think that's maybe what Mary was thinking a little bit. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month, that is of Elizabeth's pregnancy, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, or some translations say, highly, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in the womb, or your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? For I am a virgin. The angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in, uh, in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month uh, with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, No way! No, that's not what she said, right? She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever it is that you say. Man, that is a huge thing to drop on a 12-year-old. You know what I mean? This is a a whole lot of meat there in in this little girl's life who's probably never done anything important ever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But, you know, she's she's brand new, and and this is like a huge thing. Like, you're going to bring the Messiah into the world, and the question is, why me? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure why God would choose me and why he would do this. And and, and I think if we look at the text and we understand, it's a very simple reason. God favors the faithful. That's what it comes down to. Mary was faithful. She believed God and she submitted it it to his will. Uh, it, it, verse 38, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be uh, to me according to your word. And that's the attitude that set Mary apart. It's not that she was special in some other way. It's not that she had the right blood type. It's not that she was virgin born or immaculately conceived, like some people would say. It, it, it's not that she, you know, lived a perfect life or did anything amazing by herself. It's that she was willing to follow out what the Lord had commanded her. She has this attitude, and it's that spirit of obedience to God that made her useful to his plan. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says this, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. That is to say, God doesn't care about these Old Testament sacrifices, and we can talk about that in the book of Hebrews, and we can read through that, and you can learn about that. But the point is, all of that doesn't matter. It's not that he actually needs you to spill goat blood. It's that he wants to see if you'll listen to him. 
when he says something, will you do it? You know, Abraham is called to kill his son. He doesn't ever even have to do it. God had no intention of actually making him go through with it and kill Isaac. He was going to kill his own son, God is, right? But he was not going to make Abraham go through that with Isaac, but he wanted to see what? Would he obey? Would he listen when God comes to you with a, 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 a word, when he comes to you with a mission, when he comes to you uh, with a, a, a mission? What's your response? What would you have said in that moment? I mean, if you're this little 12-year-old girl living in this time and all this stuff comes to you, I mean, would you have been like, boom, let's do this? I mean, she has the best attitude ever, and I see people who are Christians, who've been Christians for years, who have trouble uh, uh, agreeing and struggling with the idea of just doing the basic things that God has said. Not having a baby virgin born in, you know, uh, as, as a little kid, <laughs> you know, uh, in, a, in a strange place, you know, I mean, this is, this is extreme and crazy for her, but God saw something beautiful in Mary. He saw a willing spirit. And he blessed her for it. Even Elizabeth sees the same thing. You go down to verse 42, and it says her cousin noticed this. She says, blessed are you, when she goes to visit, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believes. Why is Mary blessed? Why is she favored? Why is she picked? Why is she involved? Because she's the kind of person who believes what God says and tries to do it. Let it be to me as you have said. And God looked at that and he said, I can use somebody just like that. And you know today, God can still use some people just like that. You understand that uh, God is just waiting for you to, to open up your life to him and say, I will do whatever it is that you ask me and behold the things that God can do with willing people. Because God's favor isn't just granted to the faithful but it is unmerited. God's favor is unmerited. That is to say, you can't earn God's favor. There's, uh, look, I, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna give it a go. You know, I'm not gonna like just, you know, sit on my hand. But look, you, know, it, you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do, no matter how much righteousness you have, no matter how many good deeds, no matter how many orphans you feed or widows you take care of, that's beautiful, that's righteous, that's amazing, but it will never get you on God's good side. That, that, that sort of stuff is not going to make God like you more. You understand? It's not going to make him love you more. You are not in an eternal disagreement with God about whether or not he likes you. You're not in an eternal disagreement with God about whether or not he loves you. And some of you are living that life. Even though God said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life, you don't think that applies to you. He must have been talking about somebody else there. 
that God loved because I know me and I know my heart and I know what I've done and you don't see what's going on in my head so don't tell me that God loves me. If that is you this morning, and let's just take a break from here for a second and say if that is you this morning, please let God in to love you. Please give it up and let God do what God does because look, was Mary, did Mary deserve to carry the Messiah? She deserved that? She earned that? Is that owed to her? Like she lived such a great life, you know, from zero to 12, you know what I mean? That God was just like, wow, boom, we're putting the Messiah in today, you know? It's like, it wasn't going to happen until that, you know? But he's like, well, I got no choice, you know what I mean? I've been planning all this time, I was going to do it in the year 2020, but you know, I was like, hey, I got to do it now. No. God's, God, uh, Mary didn't earn God's favor. She didn't deserve that because Mary was not perfect. I want you to understand that. And that's okay. Uh, uh, look, uh, the two words that are used here when it talks about favor, right? They're just the Greek words, uh, charis, for grace. They're, they're just the words that mean uh, the same sort of things. We talk about, you know, God has given you his grace. You know, by grace you have been saved, all those sort of things. It's the same word that's used here when it says, you, O favored one. That, that, that means you who have received grace, okay? You who, whose God's grace is the object, you know, on, you know? It, it's working on you. And then when it says, behold, you've received favor from the Lord, it's just cares. You just received grace. And, and this is an amazing thing, and it's important for us to understand because we like to put people on pedestals, right? I mean, we like to build people up, and we like to elevate them in our minds, and we're like, man, you know, if uh, Bobby Wallace, if I ever saw him commit a sin, I would leave the faith immediately, you know, because we're just like, I can't, there's, you know, oh, man, he must be, per I'm just kidding, man. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make you feel awkward. Everybody look at Bobby. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so, you know, th this thing, you know, where we have somebody in our mind, and we've elevated them up to this, this high status, you know, it's like, uh, oh, oh, man, you know, I could never be a Paul. I could never be a David. I could never be a Moses. I could never be any of those kind of people because they're on a different level than me. They're on a different plane. But the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And you got to understand that in, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor f uh, free. There's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And, and God's favor cannot be earned, and Mary certainly was under the same sin that we are all under. Romans 3.20 says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since the law, through the law comes knowledge of sin. Sin. Three verses later in verse 23, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace. That word, that favor, charis, they are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Listen, Mary is just a normal person like any of us. She had sin, and she needed a Savior just the exact amount as you or I. I want you to understand that the greatest gift of grace and the greatest gift of favor that Mary ever received was not bearing the Messiah. It was when she was baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection and received his grace in Acts chapter 2. 
That, that's the most beautiful uh, uh, gift that God ever gave her. And, and look, I'm not discounting the fact that she got to hang out with baby Jesus, okay? That's amazing and beautiful, and it is certainly an outpouring of God's grace. But the greatest gift that she ever received was the fact that she had her sins washed away. And we have in our minds this idea that we're too screwed up for God to use for anything. with God's favor, with God's grace, he can take a screw-up like you and a screw-up like me and use us to do something amazing. Mary brought the Savior of the world into existence, and she wasn't a perfect person. Paul killed Christians as a hobby. And God used him to write most of the New Testament. Moses, David, Abraham, go down the, the list. You know, it's like murderer, murderer, liar, thief, murderer. You know, it's just like you just go down the list. None of them were perfect. Not even me, apparently. <laughs> None of them are perfect, man. We're all the same. And we're all in the same boat in the same situation. And that is why it does not depend on your righteousness. That is why God's favor, God's grace is given as a gift. And Mary didn't deserve it, but God chose to use her anyway. Because she was willing. But I want you to understand a third point, okay? God favors the faithful. God's favor is unmerited. And then this one. God's favor doesn't mean that you're going to have an easy life. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. We've got to talk about this. Okay. Mary, all right, let's, let me, let's just put it in perspective. I'm going to tell you I'm gonna tell you a story real quick, okay? This is what God asked Mary to do, okay? Get, get it straight, okay? As a little 12-year-old girl, she's going to become pregnant miraculously as a virgin. Now... A lot of children in this room. <laughs> uh, but let's just say this. If your wife or fiance came to you and said, uh, guess what? Uh, I'm pregnant, uh, but don't worry about it, okay? Because it's just a Holy Spirit baby, okay? Um, you would laugh them out of the room. You know what I mean? You'd be like, <laughs> you're crazy. You know, and, and this is the thing. You would, be, for people over the age of 12, would know better. They'd be like, no way. That's not how it happened. I know how that happens, and that's not it, right? And, and, and this is the thing. God said, I'm going to make you pregnant as a 12-year-old virgin, okay? And uh, here's what you're going to risk. Losing Joseph, okay? She nearly did, right? He says, I'm going to put her away. I got to, you know? I, he's, a, he's a good dude, though, because he said, you know what? I don't want her to get killed because that was the alternative right if she had committed adultery they were going to stone her to death okay she risked losing joseph she risked losing her life she risked losing the chance to marry at all you, you think being a single mother in america is hard i'm not discounting that please don't 
read me wrong there. I understand that that is incredibly difficult, but imagine it 2,000 years ago in Palestine, you know what I mean? Imagine what they would do and the shame that they would have on somebody like that. You know, you uh, not only have a kid, not only are you ineligible for so many people to ever marry, but you can't work. You got nobody to provide for you. You're a woman who doesn't have rights, you know. You're a woman who doesn't have the the option to go down and say, well, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to put in the hours, and I'm going to give this kid a good life. And that's a wonderful and beautiful thing for people who do that, who are wronged and in a situation, and and they, they pull it together and they give a kid the best life they can. That's amazing, but Mary didn't even have that option. You understand, if Joseph wouldn't have taken her home, she'd been on the streets begging Man, what a huge thing. She could have lost her life. She could have been stoned. She could have lost her image in the community. How do you think people would have looked at her? You know, we looked at the woman in the well, right? Or the woman at the well, not hopefully in the well. Uh, And and (laughs) you look at the the woman at the well and you see that, you know, she's an outcast from every single person in that whole community, you know? Uh, 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 All the Jews hated her because she's a Samaritan. All the men hated her because she's a woman, you know? And all the women hated her because she slept with all their husbands. You know, this this girl would have had nobody. You know, she would have been by her drawing water in the heat of the day out in the middle of nowhere uh, hoping to make it by another day she's supposed to give birth to that baby in a barn because no one will let her inside and she's supposed to lay her tiny infant in a feeding trough because she's so tired from rocking him all night <laughs> you don't think baby Jesus cried baby Jesus cried okay and she's going to lay him down in a feeding trough because she's lost so much blood in, in this dirty old stable that she's weak. she got to lay him down. And, and, and she's then supposed to, from all of that beauty and success at the beginning of her life, she's then supposed to raise this Messiah, you know. How do you do that, you know? Who tells Jesus to go to his room? You know, I'm not doing it. He might destroy the universe, you know. I don't know. You don't, you don't want to do that. You want to be a part of that. How do you do that? I don't understand. That's just a funny thing I think about. But look, then uh, after all of that, he, she goes through her whole life raising this kid, growing with him, loving him, treating him like a wonderful, beautiful, amazing mother. And I think she did a knockout job. And then she's called to kneel at the feet of the cross and watch while wicked men put nails in his hands and nails through his feet and hang him on an old scrap of wood while he suffocates to death. And when he's done dying for her own sin, she then watches her baby boy get a spear thrust through his side and watches the blood and the water pour out. That's her baby. That's her little boy. That's her son. And if she can get through that, she gets to join the church where there's just persecution rampant in the first century. And she lives under the same threat of persecution and the same threat of death and the same threat as every other Christian. Jews and the Romans weren't about to give her a free pass because she birthed him. Maybe after that, you look at that and you go, man, if that's what it means to be favored to God, I don't want any. Just leave me alone, God. I Apparently being favored, that doesn't get you a whole lot. It gets you everything that really matters. 
it, it, it gets you absolutely everything. Christ never promised that it'd be easy to follow him. He said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. In fact, every single one of his apostles, save for little John, the youngest of his apostles, every single one of them went to a bloody death for him. And that promise was fulfilled. Second Timothy 3, Paul says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Then why even follow him? If that's what it looks like, and if, if uh, man, if, I, if following him and having his favor looks like that, then why even do it? And here's the reason. And this is the reason that I think Mary saw, and this is the reason I want you guys to see this morning, because when God's favor is upon you, and when God is with you, and when he leads you, and when you follow after his path, you can move mountains. You understand? Because you can do amazing things. Mary didn't suffer needlessly. She was a part of the salvation of the whole world. She got to participate in some small way with bringing about the Messiah. And that is mind-blowing that God could use someone like us for that. Psalms 51 verse, sorry, Psalms 5 verse 12, that's a different book, uh, different chapter. For, the, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favor as with a shield. Mary knew without a shadow of doubt that God was with her and that she did not have to fear. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear those Fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell, right? She knew that ultimately there were bigger and better things out there. That grace was going to be extended to the whole world. That their Savior and their Messiah had come at last. And that good things were on the way. And that's when they say, you know, uh, he says the Holy Spirit's going to uh, uh, come upon you. And power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is even there, and she says, uh, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me. God uses Mary to bring that Messiah into the world, and that doctrine of incarnation, the fact that Jesus became a man, is essential to your salvation. That's what I want you to understand. But what about us? What about us? Friends, I want you to understand. Mary is not unique in the fact that she was favored of God. I want you to understand that each and every one of you also has God's favor on you. Luke chapter 11 verse 27 says this, Jesus is teaching a crowd, and as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and blessed are the breasts at which you nursed. Jesus thought about it for a minute. It's my paraphrase. He said this, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's Mary. 
That, that's everything that is talked about about her, is that she was the kind of person who was willing to, to hear the word of God and keep it. And Jesus is not taking anything away from Mary there. He is lifting her up and saying, she is just like you guys. And you guys can have that same favor, that same blessing, that same grace upon you if you just listen to what God has to say and keep, a, keep it. In Ephesians 1, 6, that same word that is used, you who are highly favored, is spoken about us. It's the only other time in Scripture that it's used. And he says, uh, his, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us. That's that word. He has made us favored. He's made us his favored one. In Christ Jesus, in the beloved, it says, right? We are the objects of God's grace. God has extended his favor towards you, and he wants you more than anything else in the entire world. He loves you, and he sought you, and he bought you. So, why not live like it? Why not live like it? The truth is, we act like God hates us all the time. I'm talking Christians, preachers, elders, faithful men and women, song leaders. Ushers, I don't know, does that thing? We live our life like God is just up there waiting to smash us. Like, like anything that we do wrong and all of a sudden we're like, I don't even know if God loves me anymore. How could he love somebody who claims to follow him but then just ruins it? How can he love somebody as selfish as me? How can he love someone as cold-hearted as me? How can he love someone as lazy as me? How can he love someone so uh, uh, wicked as me? How does God, the creator God of the universe, look down at me and see anything but filth? That's what we say. Because you have completely forgotten that God sent his only son for you. And if there was not a single other human being in all of existence, if it was just you and you were the only one who'd screwed up and everybody else had just gone on and lived a perfect life and you were the only person in the room who had made a mistake ever and you were the ugly duckling, he would have done it for you too. Because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he favors you. He is for you. He is on your side. God extended himself way out so that you could have eternal life, favor, and grace in Christ. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you deserve it. But it does mean that you can do amazing things if you accept it. And I want to close with this scripture. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse one says this. Working together with him, then we appeal to you. 
not to receive the grace that is favor. Same word. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. And behold, now is the day of salvation. Friends, there is no other time in all of history more important than now. This moment is the day of salvation. It's the day in which God helped you. It's the day in which God showed his favor to you. It's the day in which he listens to you. And he is here for you, waiting for you to make a move. He is here for you, asking you, what will you do? I am for you. I favor you. I have extended grace to you. I sent my son for you. What will you do with that? And maybe, maybe you've never accepted the gospel. Maybe you've never been baptized into Christ Jesus. Maybe you're sitting there and you're looking at this grace thing and you're saying, oh, wow. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. And you know that God is calling you to obedience, but you're still asking questions like, Why? Why should I do that? What's in it for me? How should I follow after you like that? Maybe you said to yourself, I'm not worthy of salvation. I'll come to Jesus once I've cleaned my life up. Once I've figured it out. Once I've made sure that he uh, you know, won't be disgusted by me anymore. I'll start out here. I'll fix myself and then I'll come to the doctor. He favors you. And today is the day of salvation for you if you just listen. Maybe, maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you struggle every day with, with some sin. Maybe you, you, you struggle uh, every week with some sin. Maybe something has got a hold of you and it's not letting go. And you have just let it run you into the ground. Today is the day that that ends. If you want it to. Today's the day of salvation. Today is the day that God is listening to you. Don't wait another day. Go talk to somebody and, 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 and have them pray over you and help you and build you up in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian and, and you say that, but that's really all you do. Maybe you say Jesus is Lord and you show up at church once a week, but really your relationship with Jesus is a secret whenever you're out in the world. Whenever you go anywhere, you don't tell anybody about Jesus. You avoid the topic and you keep it off the table because their salvation doesn't matter as much as your salvation because you've played favorites. And maybe you've received the grace of God, but it hasn't done anything in your life. Maybe you've not let God move those barriers and move those mountains and get them out of the way so that you can be the person in Christ that he's called you to be. Today is that day. If you've ever looked out and saw another Christian and thought, man, I wish I could just be like that person. I wish I could just, if I could just have faith like them or, or, or do the things they do, you can with God's help. Unquestionably, undoubtedly, God can use you in a way that he could never use me.
are unique and valuable and favored in Christ Jesus. Won't you let him use you? God has chosen you as highly favored. He has looked at you with grace. What will you do with it? Today the invitation is open. If you want to talk to somebody, uh, Bobby and I will be standing at the back. We will be waiting, excited to help you through any one of these decisions. We are there for you. We love you. God loved you. Let's pray. Father, strip away all of our inhibitions, God, and the things that are holding us back. God, help us to forget our pride and to abandon our love for self that has been driving us for so long. God, help us not to trust in ourselves, not to look at ourselves and think, wow, we can do this, we're amazing, but God, to trust in you. God, to put our faith in you and trust that you can be the one who does this. You can be the one who, you, who works miracles in our lives, Father. We want to get out of the way and let you start doing what you've asked to do. God, I pray for the hearts of every person in this room. Convict them, Father, using your word and using your Holy Spirit, God. Uh, help them to know for sure, Father, that today you are there waiting listening, ready to help. Thank you, Father, for Mary, her willingness to serve you. May we imitate that. But thank you most of all for Jesus and his willingness, Father, to become obedient to the point of death on the cross. We love you, we lift you up, and we pray all these things in the name of your Son, the most precious and beautiful Jesus. Amen.